Hey, beautiful people. My name is Amber Noel, and this is A Nanny's Life. This podcast is dedicated to highlighting the full experience of career caregivers both on and off the clock. So welcome to the potty, friend. Make yourself at home. Hey, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of A Nanny's Life podcast. My name is Amber Noel, and I'm so excited that you guys are back joining me. And I'm really, really excited about this episode because I'm talking to someone from the future, guys. <laughs> I'm talking to one of my nanny friends from Down Under. Y'all welcome Madison to the potty. Welcome, friend. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. Do you also, do you go by Maddie or Madison or does it matter? Look, I generally only respond to Madison when I'm in trouble with my mom oh. or my grandma. <laughs> so Maddie's That's fine, valid. but Madison's fine as well. <laughs> That's valid. Awesome. And so do you want to sort of introduce yourself? Let us know how long you've been in the industry and what sort of work you do in the industry. Yeah, sure. So, um... My name's Maddie. Um, I've been in, we call it early childhood in Australia. So um, I have been formally working like in childcare and in kinders for the better part of 10 years. Oh, that's scary to say. Nice. But I have been um, working with children. I got my first babysitting job, I think, when I was like, 17 um and still at school so yeah it, it's it's been a while it's been a bit um it's in I, your bones it sounds like <laughs> yeah I'm I'm an only child but I'm the eldest cousin so and I have one two three one, two, three. <laughs> One, two, three. I have um, like nine cousins and I was the eldest by four wow. years. So, yeah, I've, yeah, you know what it's like when you grow yeah. up and you're the eldest around other children. Yeah, I feel like it's always kind of been on my trajectory or in my life path in some sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, I was lucky I didn't have too, too many cousins, but I definitely ended up sort of helping the younger ones along. So I totally get that. So you were born and raised in Australia, right? What whereabouts? Yeah, so um, I was born in what you'd classify as country or regional for us. I wasn't born in a big, busy metro center. I grew up on a 20 acre hobby farm in, it's called Kayabrum. Uh, I was, my mom was a single parent queen and warrior and um i was actually really really fortunate she moved back home with her grandparents well with her parents my grandparents sorry when um uh, i think i went home with them from the hospital uh so i was really really fortunate i spent most of my foundation years um meaning the first seven years uh with my grandparents as well I was also really lucky my mum nannied when she went over to the UK twice. Um, and when I was nine months old, we went over and stayed with a previous nanny family of hers and I didn't come back until I was 18 months old. Yeah, yeah. And then we went back over again and I did, I think it's the equivalent of like, pre-kinder um they refer to it as nursery over there so I I did my first like pre-kinder in the UK um yeah so I'm really lucky I've lived a life and I'm only yeah. 28 yeah that's yeah, so been... exciting like so so for you growing up was childcare predominantly like your grandparents or were you with your mom as she nannied or how did that work out um, it was a mix. So I believe when I was little, little, I went to work with my mum when she was in the UK. But when I came back to Australia, my 
grand my also my grandparents work in education as well he was a secondary school teacher so he was phasing out so I would do I believe a couple of days of childcare and then a couple of days with my grandparents and then um my mum moved uh so Kayabrum is quite country like very country and then we moved to um it used to be a small town, but in the past 10 years, it's boomed. We moved to Bendigo so that my mum had better working opportunities for herself. And I did started uh, kindergarten and then went through primary school in a slightly bigger regional town of Bendigo. So, yeah, I was, uh, my mum always referred to me as a, uh, I was a lifer in childcare or like, you know, (laughs) before and after school care, you know, like long days, but that was just what we had to do as a family unit. Obviously, single parent, you don't have a lot of choices. So, yeah. Yeah, I get that. My mom did it by herself too. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And it's just phenomenal when you think about now as an adult and a woman and a partner and moving to that phase where you're planning that family unit and then I always snap back and think wow like my mum did of course with a village of you know her brothers and my grandparents but she did that on her own and she did a phenomenal job like you know so yeah. I love hearing that oh my goodness I feel like so many of like the strongest dopest caregivers come from these warrior parents who like did it on their own you know it's kind of amazing I agree I totally agree yeah 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 so obviously you had the inspiration of being around you know caregivers your whole life did you always know that you would want to like do this as an adult or as a career To be honest with you, until mid-primary school, people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up and I said I wanted to be a duck. Don't know where that... Yeah, I Yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. Um, Let's not get into the psychology behind that. But um, so when you're 16 in Australia, so that's classed as high school, you've got two years left of high school education before you go and... I we have to do like elected community service hours whether it then like you have to go volunteer your time so you might get two days off school for a term and you need to find somewhere that will have you you know so I went into a childcare center and I just loved it um you know all these amazing little human beings in their little clothes and ready to go and just um I remember having this deep sense of respect because I was 16 I'm a baby for the young women around me who were doing this and you know just being like wow like this is a space I want to be in like yeah so I applied to do my certificate three in early childhood education and care midway through my year 12, which is that last year, uh, I was accepted. So I knew halfway through high school that uh, I was um, going to go and do that. Mind you, I was at my mum from 16 years old let me do a traineeship, let me drop out of school, let me... And she was like, no, you are finishing year 12. You need that certificate for your life no matter what. Like, so I remember those last two years was like an eternal battle of me, like, being like, come on, mum. And she's like, no, like, you're doing this, girl. Like, (laughs) buckle up, you're doing it. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. She knew. <laughs> so wait, so the the certificate you spoke about is that like post? Is that like secondary? Yeah. Is that what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know our education systems are like different. So yeah, I graduated with like my it's called a VCE in uh, Australia, which is where you know you go to school until you're 18, you pass subjects, you. Um, And then I went to like a, I guess it would be like the equivalent of a community college. It's called TAFE in Australia. Um, 
and I did my certificate three and when you're doing that you have to go out on student practical placements and you know do your assignments and I was fortunate enough to um, be offered like a casual job through there so I worked casually for maybe six months and there's an upgrade from the certificate three called a diploma, which gives you more education and skills to work in those leadership roles like running a room or being a director of a service. Um, So I went and I did that uh, as well while working full time as a certificate three room assistant. Yeah, and I had a couple of false starts with that. I dropped out a couple of times, but when I was 21, I was at a really, really good uh, centre. It was community-based, non-for-profit. They had phenomenal staff and I was just like, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this and I got it done in a year. Yeah, and it was probably one of the best things I ever did to further my own education and my own self yeah it was really cool yeah see y'all are doing it right I love to hear that like you were able to go well first of all I love hearing about the community service just being a thing that you do (laughs) at a certain age that's amazing and then like hearing that you were able to go straight into that program because I feel like when I was in high school um, which is like through year 12 and then you get your um, t- high school diploma. No one talked about working in early childcare. Some people would talk about teaching and then you would go like get a bachelor's degree for that. But mm. there are not enough programs that are like, you know, if you really know what you want to do, that you can get that very specific training. We have something called a um, CDA here, which is like an online training for working in centers and stuff. But um I think we could have some better programming here for things yeah. of that sort. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and in Australia, there is like, you know, your teaching degree where you can go to university for four years and you can do a birth to five years, which puts you in a kinder. You can do a prep to, I think it's the last year of primary school, which is um, the children would be 12, turning 13. And then you can do your secondary one as well there's also one where you can do like a birth to 12 years and it's like a master's I could be wrong I might 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 be a little bit off but I think that that's wild like being able to have yeah 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 um so that's really interesting to see as well and also with me holding my diploma now, if I wanted to go and do my bachelor, there's, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but in Australia, it's called a recognition of prior learning. So mm-hmm. you'd show up all your transcripts and, all, and I'd actually get, I think it's 18 months shaved off my degree with what I have learnt while working and having those qualifications in the industry. So. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, so then that means that all the staff in childcare centers there have been through this program or a similar, a comparable program? Yes. There also are traineeships available, which means that, you know, you go in and you are studying either towards your certificate three or your diploma uh, while working full time, which means... It's a lot. I was very fortunate that when I did my training, it was very much more like you had your three days a week that you showed up to school uh, and then, you know, you'd obviously work or whatever to support yourself on those other days. Um, But recently in the past 10 years, I'd say, the it's changed a lot unfortunately in Australia yeah a lot of the TAFEs have been phased out a lot of it's Mm. online a lot of people are doing traineeships and that's an interesting concept in itself because then you have a generation of educators who just have that one very niche 
knowledge from the people that have taught them and how they've perceived mm. the syllabus and the curriculum. Mm. So that makes sense. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I get how that can be. Yeah. Yeah. It can make it a very um, interesting workforce at times. I mean, that's that's what we have here, to be completely honest with you. Um, if you look at childcare centers, they don't. I mean, I worked in a childcare center where people could come in as temps from a temp agency and they didn't have to have any sort of certifications or qualifications. If you passed a, a criminal background check, you could be in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And then if you, you know, if you were comfortable there and the director was comfortable with you, you could keep that job and you could sort of move up. Mm-hmm. And then as new people would come in, those people who have never necessarily gone through any certification are the ones mentoring more people who have never, you know, been in that in that space. So I've seen what that looks like too. <laughs> yeah, and f- for me, uh, when I was doing my certificate three, the government rolled out a whole new. It, so, when you work in childcare in Australia, your whole educational program is formed and has to adhere to. I'm in Victoria, a state in Australia. Um, it's called the Victorian early years learning and development framework and when I was studying this all got rolled out so I remember we were two weeks into our course and we all had to sign this document they're like we're changing your training package the government's just switched this all up like dropped a bomb you know to all the education providers guinea pigs yeah um so when I came into the industry I had a lot of relevant, credible, substantiated education that informed my pedagogy in working with children. And you'd come in new and obviously, you know, there are people that have been in the industry for 20 years who had learnt things differently a long time ago. But in order for services to go through their accreditation which is basically where the department of education come out watch your service for a day look at all of your policies and procedures and then run that against all the regs and you actually get a rating Uh, in order for services to still meet the bar they needed to see educators with the new knowledge Mm. and informed practice and i'm sure you know with change comes resistance. Uh, so I kind of went into the industry at this time where, yeah, there was a lot of push-pull in terms of, well, I have a lot of respect for the old way and your experience and your knowledge, but unfortunately, if we're going from a government, a legal standard, this is how we're going with it now and it's for the better of the children and it's backed by evidence research and science which is like for me I'm like give it to me (laughs) like (laughs) I want to read those credible sources I want to read those peer certified um those articles that make you think and make you critically reflect and go you know what I have to change some stuff in the way that Mm. I'm doing things so that these children get the best education that they deserve that you know yeah so sorry that was a bit of a tangent and <laughs> no it's it's completely relevant though because I think we are very much in an era of the new school of child rearing in general mm. and you know you have a subset of individuals who have studied child development recently and then you have a subset of those who either studied it a while ago or sort of learned from their elders and it Mm. really I mean you really do experience that sort of push-pull and I think it's it's a great thing that you guys are having the changes come from the top down because Mm. here if you're looking at it you know childcare industry isn't super 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 regulated and then you know the nanny industry is obviously like people are people just nanny um so I think it would be easier to be backed (laughs) by the government or you know a superior because you know 
you find yourself having these conversations and explaining yourself to people like on the playground or at the music classes and stuff and sometimes it does come off as like oh you think you know better than me but I've been doing this for 20 years um Mm, mm. but you know things change as we learn new things and like you said we have to adapt we have to try and keep up and do the absolute best that we can for these kids um so yeah that (laughs) is a very relevant tangent (laughs) yeah yeah I just and I so I so I hate to be like COVID because I just want to move past whatever block that was in our history I feel like it was a really really interesting time for society and it's just crazy um but I ended up getting out of early childhood or childcare over COVID I was really lucky I had a family that I really got along with in that professional sense. I had their middle daughter for her first two years of nursery. So she came into the baby's room as I think she was six months. She was either six or nine months old. And I stayed at that center for almost three years. Um, but, you know, I've got big dreams and I hate to stay complacent. So I went and chased down a, a room leader position a little bit closer to home. And so I signed a full-time contract in February. And then for us, it all hit and the lockdowns happened in the March. Wow. Yeah. So what that looked like in Australia was... Um, Childcare access was restricted to only families that were classified who had essential work. So medical, police, people who worked in education themselves. Uh, But there are a lot of jobs that just weren't seen as essential. Therefore, they didn't qualify to send their children. So then attendance is low. And I went into a center where um, most people had been there for 10 to 15 years. So unfortunately my full-time contract wasn't honored. Uh, So I found myself having to supplement income and I was thinking about it, I'm like, wow, like, this is scary hospitality shut down it's really like I didn't really know what to do and where to go and one time I just got a phone call from the family with the little girl saying look we're about to go to a family of three we both work in the medical industry um we have no family in the state we've got some work for you. Would you like to come work for us a couple of days a week? And I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And here I am, this, that little boy that I was waiting at home for with the older two children to come home from the hospital is turning three in August. And I'm still there two days a week. Yeah. I love that though. Yeah. What perfect timing. I'm a massive believer um, in the universe and that, you know, things will always work out and if things don't work out, there was a greater purpose for you waiting up ahead and I truly believe that, you know, this one family has changed the trajectory of my career and my life because I always thought... You know, I want to be a centre director. I maybe one day want to own my own centre or like, you know, work in leadership or management or I want to help rewrite the book in early childhood. And now I'm like, I want a nanny. I want to, I want to be in this for life. Like I, um, that makes me happy. Yeah. So I refer to it as um, doing a dance with the devil. So I nannied exclusively over COVID. Um, All of my care arrangements that I had legally met the standard of all the restrictions and whatever we had to do to contain the spread of this virus we had no idea about. 
And I ended up finding another family that wanted me Tuesdays, Thursdays. Uh, so, you know, I was working four days, full-time hours. I think we all know what that's like. Um, and I was with them for about a year. And then unfortunately, another, we referred to them as lockdowns in Australia, where basically everything would just get shut up. Um, this family unfortunately didn't qualify for the essential. So unfortunately I had to make a really tough decision. Me and my partner were six months out of buying a house. I had to make a really tough decision and say, look, I'm really sorry, but I can't come back to this after lockdown. I, I've got to find something in the here and now. Like, so I actually ended up working for my other nanny family four days for a couple of months. Because when, yeah, I know, how good. When those, when those lockdowns would come about, there was no set time. It was against the case numbers that were coming out. So it could have been two months, it could have been six months. Like there was, we were um, legally classified in a state of emergency, which meant that there wasn't a lot of set law or regulation in terms of time frame. So once that lockdown lifted, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go do a little dance with the devil for a while. I'm going to see how it goes doing two days nannying, three days childcare, you know, see, mm -hmm. see how that wound up. <laughs> I went through three services in a year before I'm like, uh-uh. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, um... I went to one service and um, was hired by the owner and within a month they had a change in management and I was I was literally I had my resignation letter ready to go I'm like no nah, this I'm I'm not the right fit for this center you know there was a lot of underlying forces there um, and had this new manager come in and she just said, stay. She's like, I see everything that needs to change here. I will help you. I will support you. I will be there. And she was fantastic. She um, promoted me to a leadership position within the first couple of weeks of her management. And I was put in a leadership position uh educational leader which is where you oversee the curriculum and the planning of all the rooms but I went in this position trying to lead people who had children my own age and who would openly say you don't know what it's like um, I've got kids your age I've been doing this for such a long time and I'm like okay but <laughs> curriculum syllabus says this law regulations say this <laughs> the standard is this like this is why I've gotten the job because I know my stuff but I ended up leaving that job just completely burnt out um exhausted so I went and I worked casually for another couple of centers and I was just listening to your most recent episode of your podcast and I think after nannying um just there was um, the word capitalism was used mm. and I went through some really big grown up like I don't want to say it was it was a bit of a spiritual awakening in terms of what I stand for what I believe in my own strengths you've used language like um, being an empath and you know being able to tap in and all I can say is re-entering that industry with the knowledge of what I know now I couldn't stay there for my own morals and my own beliefs because it's like you know what this actually doesn't align with the care I want to give and what I preach in terms of how can I say I believe in I search for a better term but I always come back to intimate connections in terms of you just have this profound understanding of a small group of individuals and how to support that and how can I do that when as soon as that child turns three legal ratio is one educator to 11 children I, I can't I can't do that 
and I can't take on the mental stress and being overstimulated and then trying to support and guide 22 children and also the rotating never-ending door of staff that are coming in and out it's and I thought this battle isn't for me anymore and it's not it's not a cross that I have to bear like I it's okay to step back and step down and there is something so much more uniquely beautiful in being a nanny and I think that's something I want to chase and I want to find peace in for the rest of my working years as opposed to just being a burnt out, overstimulated early childhood educator who ends up, who actually ends up coming home and losing their bananas at their partner every night because they're overstimulated and exhausted. And, you know, I wasn't showing up as a partner, as a friend, as a daughter, as a family member. Whereas now that I nanny, I feel like I have the headspace to do all that. Yeah. 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 You definitely have more um, sort of control of the vibes, I like to say, when you nanny, you know, like you, you're a, a lot less subjected to whatever you walk into yes. when you nanny, you know, yeah. you're kind of in control. You can steer the day. I mean, mm. some people have, you know complicated positions but you still you can turn on the music that makes you feel good you can take a walk that makes you feel good like being able to to that point being able to find ways to fill my cup at work has mm. been the biggest game changer for me as a nanny yeah um and I did the same thing I worked in a center for maybe six months maybe mm. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, I do not belong here. I cannot do this. This is not going to work. And it was a lot of the similar push and pull of me being, you know, I had been a nanny for about three years, but I had a degree in developmental psychology and I had, you know, my knowledge that I felt like I had. And I, I did not have the best audience for that, that no one was trying to hear it. And um, ultimately... It made more sense for me to leave because if this is how we're going to do it here, you guys do that <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go do what I know to do. So I'm glad that you were able to get that experience even out of the mess that was COVID, you know, mm. to learn that, you know, there's a another route you could take. I'm glad you're here with us now. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's it's great to be here. It's just so much more peaceful so much more peaceful and as you said you know you have control of the vibe and you know there's like sometimes I find it it can be isolating but then again I remember that by maybe day three or day four when I was working full-time in a center I was really ready for my own space <laughs> so you know you you take the good with the I don't want to say bad because it's not bad, but you take the good with the, eh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I feel that for sure. Um, so I wonder what is the process like of finding a position over there? Is it more like agencies than anything or? So I'm going to say that, for my knowledge myself and for everyone else I talk to, COVID in the state that I live in especially, um, we call it the rise of the nannies. Like we were one of the industries that, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. That uh, um, really benefited from that because people did have nannies and they did see the change and the additional benefits and yes of course it might be more expensive than childcare because uh childcare is heavily government subsidized in Australia uh nannies are not we used to be but now we're not um hmm. yeah interesting I I wish Why did that, when did that change if I if you know to be honest with you, I think I'm going to ballpark it here and say maybe anywhere from 8 to 12 years ago. I don't know the logic behind it. I have a theory that 
they wanted kindergartens and childcare centres to be more utilised in the community. I could be completely wrong in my theory, but that's what I think. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Uh, (laughs) um, So there are a couple of agencies that have, to my knowledge, are... There's one called Melbourne's Leading Nanny Agency, which I think was established in the same year that I was born, which was 1994, by a mother-daughter duo. They have their own website, uh, like an office. I believe families go to them and say, this is what we need, and they advertise. A lot of it is still predominantly social media outlets like that's why I have my Maddie Poppins page originally was to get family and friends and co-workers and people to share me because I believe it's mostly still a word of mouth industry there is an amazing website and I just want to do a quick shout out here her name is, uh, Instagram handle is the Melbourne nanny her name is Jackie and there's also and they she works with um, her Instagram handle is the nanny of Oz and her name's Amanda Ferguson I know Amanda. Yeah, yeah I've so talked to her a couple times too. they yeah. um, they admin a closed Facebook group which is to industry standards like it's got a set range of pay it's got um resources in terms of because nannies in australia in terms of employment award we fall under the i'm gonna say it wrong but it's like the the miss the misconcealer i'm sorry Uh, anyways a particular award and that's what we fall under now so they always make sure that any position is to that so it's basically like a closed market i -hmm. have people come to me and be like do you know anyone looking for work like we need a nanny like but and I say I'll add you into this group on Facebook but you have to read the descriptions and you cannot post a job outside of that Amanda and Jackie will take down any jobs that don't fit and will not accept any requests for that so I just want to take a quick second to really thank them for I believe they've kind of taken it upon themselves to provide a standard in Melbourne, Victoria, especially um, in terms of employing nannies. Uh, I really appreciate that because there's not a lot more of this, oh, but I've seen this girl on Facebook and, you know, she she's charging 25 per hour and she'll take cash. And it's like, okay, well, hire her because I I require a certain pay grade, I require certain, you know, I'm happy to operate as a contractor or I'm happy to be an employee, but you have to pay me what I'm worth and I'm not negotiable on that. So in the past 18 months, I think I've really sunken into that. It's okay if you can't afford me. Someone else can. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to negotiate my rate, my experience, my expertise to ease your hip pocket. Like, yeah. sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you have to break it down to prove or demonstrate or explain your worth, that's you're going to have to deal with them being upset about what they pay you at some point, even if you can convince them, right? Yeah. If they have earmarked a specific budget for childcare and you want a significant amount more because you are absolutely worth it, at some point they're going to feel the squeeze of that, you know, financial yeah. burden. Or I believe like the expectations will just be unrealistically high. Um I've really, when I was looking for my next position, I remember I really love the way that Emma Hughes, the main nanny, she uh, conducts herself in that interview process. And I think she, or it could have been you, um, somebody said, you know, you're interviewing the family as well. Like you have to make sure that, yeah, your philosophies and your values and everything align because otherwise it's just going to, you know. And I remember really taking that standpoint on. 
um, I started a new position in October on my Tuesdays and Thursdays because I would not give up those Monday, Wednesdays. Like the, the sense of purpose and love that I have developed for these children has probably bordering on unprofessional, but you know, it, you know, they've been a big part of my life and my development as an adult woman. And I would really love to have that on my resume as a nanny to be like, you know what, I was, I was actually with this family from the day that the youngest came home from hospital until he went to primary school. Like I would really love to have a a long-term position like that for life experience, but also for professional experience. Um, So I started a new position in October and um, I remember just walking in and I put my educational philosophy down on on (laughs) on the table and I just said, look, this is me, this is what I believe in, this is what I'm about. If you don't like it or you've got some questions about it or it's it's probably not going to work out and you know that's okay thank you for your time but I just remember being so like I don't want to say staunch but just I knew I knew what I needed to do to be able to have the freedom and the flexibility to be the nanny that I want to be which is um I need to have autonomy and flexibility in my role. Like, yes, I believe in building trust, but if you're not okay with me um, taking your child down to the park or to the library or looking at the weather outside today and saying, you know what, I want to drive to a forest today and we're going to go out and we're just going to spend some time in nature and yes, we'll be back to pick up the older kids but in in order to make those decisions, like I'm probably not the nanny for you like because, yeah, I just think and I know that there are nannies that like to check and, you know, but I like in my interview process, I'm like, you need to be comfortable and you need to be okay with the idea of these concepts because this is what I need in order to effectively do my job and this is what I believe in like I respect you as parents and I will never ever undermine your parenting or your philosophy or the way that you deal with things but I also need some flexibility too yeah (laughs) yeah and I I would argue that that makes you more professional as a nanny because you have put together your education and your experience to establish the type of role that you're looking to fill. Um, I think it's easy for anyone to go into an interview and be like, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But I mean, Mm. then, then what do you believe? Then what have Mm. you learned? Like Mm. what is, what are your standards in general? Because you know, it's a wild world (laughs) and people do things all sorts of different ways so I think that's dope when nannies go into an interview like this is who I am and I also think the autonomy thing really really is so important there are so many days that I get to work and then I make a plan for the day because you never know like I mean we know our carpool is at this time or whatever but between the weather um, the, you know, the night or the morning that the kids had, you know, the night or morning that I had, like <laughs> all these things go into play. So yeah, I'm with you on the autonomy for sure. <laughs> and it's really, um, like night. And I love hearing you talk about like, you know, I don't go in with a plan because sometimes that's me as well. And sometimes I almost not doubt myself, but when you're nannying there's and my families are phenomenal like you know I get so much acknowledgement so much gratitude so much you know I I received a message from my boss the other day and we managed to make it to one of the kids school athletics and like I was cheering him on and you know cheerleader I should have brought my pom-poms um and she sent me a message that night um just saying thank you so much for being there and like you know I'd already cried that day when he took out the first place in his little running event and then I was like having a tear that night being like this is what it can be and this is what it should be if you allow it to be so it's nice to hear also that like 
sometimes I feel like I'm just the definition of winging it but you forget that that's actually what's best for the child because if you go into the day with like this preconceived motion of oh we're gonna do craft time at this time and this and this and and it doesn't work out you're like oh well that was a bit of a whereas you go into the day like it'll be what it'll be it is what it is that's how it should be like so no it's nice to hear that from somebody else as well because sometimes I'm always like am I doing enough (laughs) you are absolutely doing enough you're I mean I learned through the pandemic that my presence is a gift to begin with my Mm disposition my state of mind my openness my ability to listen those things are what primarily make me a really good caregiver Mm. the other stuff is extra you know and it builds upon those things but those important things like I just I really just need to be there (laughs) and I am there yeah I um I still remember to this day when I got my uh job offer from my my mum boss because uh, when I started my Monday Wednesday job all those years ago it was always kind of like a, a temp thing we'd see where it went like we'd see what would happen with COVID and once um little little guy was here in the world um she was he was still a bubber and she was like nursing him and she was walking me out and I remember just the way that she looked at me and the uh, her tone of voice, and she said, "Oh, I'd really, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name drop because I know it would be okay. Um, I would really love if you could stay on with us because I want Julian to have the same amazing relationship and connection that Quinton has with you." And I just remember, I'm tearing up. The feeling of me too, yeah, <laughs> of honor. And like pride, like, are you kidding? Like, of of course, like, and as a consequence of that, you know, I've, I used to, when Quinny was a childcare girl and she was getting her hair, put her hair clips in her hair when she was a little bubber. And the other day I sat there and I did her hair before she got ready to go to school. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I know. Stop it. Hold it together, Maddie. Um, and it's like that in itself is phenomenal and scary because sometimes I think and this is how I mentioned borderlining on unprofessional but sometimes I look at my nanny kids from this long-term family now and I think how am I ever going to love other children the way that I love you guys because the the connection is so deep and I know that you've been with your family for uh, six years yeah a long time and I know that there are connections that are the same and you just think Mm -hmm. it's scary and beautiful all in the same time because you're like I don't know if I've got a lot left do you know what I mean though to give no I listen we so baby girl I have three two boys a girl six four and two baby girl is potty trained we just Mm. potty trained her so there's no more diapers and I'm just like so then like I've always been a baby nanny you know my Mm. boss was like if I keep having babies you'll stay right and I was like (laughs) yeah sure because I used to leave every job after two years because (sighs) that's a whole other conversation but um yeah yeah yesterday I texted my boss and I was like I'm calling this kid potty trained like we we're great she's good and then I thought about it and I was like, now what? You know, cause that she was my baby and her brothers were my babies mm. and now they're all big and like independent. And so, yeah, I feel you on the like bordering unprofessional because I love those kids so much more than I ever thought I would. And mm. I do, I think about, I'm like, so there, I'm, I'm never going to be able to recreate this. And I really just want to hold on to it for as long as possible. Like, to be completely honest, in my head, I'm just like, I just want to keep loving you <laughs> as yeah. long as I can, you and know? I'm sure. So um, my Monday, Wednesday family, it's boy, girl, boy. Eldest is eight in May. He also ascent- attended the same childcare. I first met him when he was two. Like, he wasn't in my room, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um 
And so, and then girl is six in June and then boy is three in August. And it's, it's mind boggling because you just think time's a thief, man. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was about to say it. <laughs> sometimes I find myself in these places of guilt of like what you just said before about you know, COVID and realizing your presence is a gift and enough is it like, I probably was a little bit late to that realization until like, maybe I'm going to say late last year to the start of this year. I really, I felt like I didn't, I did, but I could have valued the time a bit more, like just slow in the moment, the magic of every day. So I made a pro and I um, made a promise to myself, like I'm gonna be more present. Like I'm gonna, you know, when I get there in the morning, that phone goes on the kitchen bench on loud. Do you know what I like? Little things like that, like choosing not to try and document the morning or. You know, I just thought, I, I want to steer away from that this year. I want to get back to the connection and, you know, and, and, and not trying to, like, speak rudely or to any, like, nannies out there that are content creating or wanting to make the work we do visible during the day because, like, amazing. I wish I could do that. But I just felt for me where I'm at in my nanny career, I want to take a step back from that and you know, enjoy, you know, Julian's three, which means that he'll start three-year-old kinder next year. Um, I'm really lucky. I know that that Monday position is there for me until he starts school. Uh, So, but I just thought, I've got three years left with these kids essentially on the current employment arrangement. And I think about it and the last three years have gone like that. Like blink of an eye, it's gone. I owe it to myself and these kids to really cement and sink into this while the time's left. I feel like the, uh, the what do you call the it? Hourglass. The hourglass. The hourglass, it's, yeah. you know, this year it's been The sand flipped. is like almost gone, yeah. And it's, <laughs> and I just want to melt into every minute of that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a powerful switch to go through as a, a caregiver I think as well yeah yeah really I was kind of forced into that too like not documenting as much because I had that weird internet thing happen um so I don't really show the kids anymore and Mm. some people think I don't work full-time I still work (laughs) yeah I just don't um film them all day and now I find myself doing things that I wasn't necessarily into like the kids are into building Legos now, like the the very complicated builds Mm. that take several days or like they want to play basketball, like for real, for real, you know, and I want you to to D up. (laughs) No, truly, truly. And I and I will every time Um, because like you said, I want I want that time. I want to Mm. focus on that connection. So I'll do whatever you want to do within reason. Mm. if it means we get quality time together, you know? So Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love this conversation. I I'm, I'm enjoying it. Me too. <laughs> it's so nice. I feel like um we first kind of swapped some DMs over. I think it might have even been COVID, and I'm not sure if it was with you or somebody else, but um yeah, asked about like what was happening almost Mm -hmm. um and I'm like yeah this is wild and you know there's been like story react or post likes or you know I feel like once I um connect with someone or kind of go yeah this person's reading from the same chapter of the book that I'm in you know we might not necessarily be on exactly the same page but we're somewhere in the same chapter I don't feel the need to constantly maintain that connection like you know I know that the path will cross or the support is there if needed but if not like you do you I do me like and you know the world's a big place (laughs) yeah and I feel so lucky that we get to like swap stories and commiserate from two completely different 
lives <laughs> like, and continents we're on different continents yeah. aren't we? <laughs> you're literally in the future like yeah. it is so it is for anyone listening it is 8 p.m here in atlanta georgia where i am and what time is it for you maddie it'll be 11 yep the next day <laughs> yeah in uh victoria so it's friday morning for her. yeah 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 i can't i can't even <laughs> that's why i am um... super fun <laughs> I've lost a day in myself when I messaged you last night. And I'm like, I think I might need to reschedule it. And then I'm like, oh, no, hang on. Wait a minute. There's there, there's like almost like a <laughs> we're good. We're good for this. Yeah. yeah, we hadn't gotten there. I hadn't gotten to the time that you were at yet. Yeah. <laughs> so that, was, that was the confusion. But I'm so glad we got to talk. I love hearing about everyone's journey. And I didn't even realize, you know, the way that you ended up pivoting. Um during COVID, but I'm so glad you did. Thank you. It's, it's great to be in, in the nanny, in the nanny space. And yeah, I, I'm excited to see where it ends up in the future. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah, as I said, rise of the nannies. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I feel like for us as an industry where we are, things are only going to get a lot better and hopefully better for families and easier for families to access this form of care because I believe in Australia could be wrong happy to be proved wrong but a lot of people who are using nannies or like there's still a lot of um au pairs that like in Australia but like in terms of career caregivers and nannies we're still young in terms of Australia, like we're still in like those teenage to whatever years of being able to formalize and standardize an industry. So I'm really excited to see what it's going to look like in the next five years, 10 years. Like, yeah, yeah it's going to be good. And I like hearing you talk about like life with your partner and get, getting a home and all that stuff. Cause I think people, a lot of times think that, you know, being a nanny is a temporary thing that you do in your 20s until you figure out what you want to do and you can't really, like, be an adult and live life as a nanny. But, like, we're out here proving that you totally can. Yeah, yeah. I've had some great advice. Um, again, the Melbourne nanny, um, she's like, you know, write up a contract and make families financially guarantee your work and if questioned why say well I've got a mortgage like I need to know that I'm going to be able to afford to live if I if I come and work with you or yeah so it's cool like and it is doable but I do have to say I have an incredibly supportive partner who will back me to the hilt uh in terms of everything to the point where I can make a decision to not essentially have to be well I work full-time hours over five days but not that full-time full-time like you know massive positions I'm I'm very lucky in that sense <laughs> that's beautiful though and it I mean I've, I I have to agree that partnership has really helped me through this journey because my mm. partner cooks maybe every meal during the week um, in the evenings and he works as an electrician. So he's pulling the same hours as me, but it's a different type of energy that's expended. Yes. And I appreciate that he understands that and mm. doesn't hold it against me. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I've been in a house all day. So he's like, cool, I'll handle dinner, even though we both worked, you know, yeah, long no, hours. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky in that sense too. Sometimes it's more of a, I'll order, I'll order for us. But I, I'm happy with any offer of help, like any offer yeah. of help's better than like that old way of, oh, well, you're the woman, you handle it type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's so nice to hear that we're in a different age as yeah to be supported to do what we want yeah <laughs> for sure yes well thank you so much for this I really have appreciated hearing from you and I can't wait to keep watching your journey thank online. you yeah thank yeah. you and thank you for having 
me on here. Uh, it was really nice to come and talk almost a little bit like some therapy, like of like processing, you know, everything that's happened and being able to talk to somebody who's had similar lived experiences and have their own wealth of knowledge and expertise and to kind of be sitting at the same table as somebody else is really refreshing so I've really enjoyed being able to talk with you thank you so much I'm so glad you enjoyed it and we'll have to do a part two sometimes and really go into like pedagogy and stuff love that I cannot wait to pick your brain on that um but I get yelled at when I have long episodes so <laughs> we'll just have to have you back on another time um, amazing to talk more about it and of course I'll put your socials and such in the description so people can find you because amazing you. thank yeah. you so much thank you of course and to everyone listening thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of a nanny's life podcast um I don't take it lightly that you spend your time listening to these conversations and I really hope you got something out of it Um, I hope you take care of yourself and I will see you in the next episode.